I wonder if you have met very many authors. Um, I've met a handful over my life, and it's always kind of awesome, like, you wrote a book, wow. But, you know, it might just be walking by a table, and he'll say, so what's your name? And then he'll write something, or she'll write something, but they won't remember me once I've walked away from the table, right? There's one author um, that I love and have loved because I was his pastor. His name is Howard. Howard is with the Lord now. And I've, I've told you before about the book he wrote. Um, it's called It Just Happened to Happen. And I was his pastor during the period of time that he was writing this book. So Howard is a career missionary with SIM. Um, he is a Harvard-educated engineer and probably one of the brightest men I have ever met. Um, he, he was a mathematician as well, and mathematicians terrify me, right? I mean, I, I get what philosophers do, but mathematicians who understand the world, um, I, I don't get that. And Howard was a mathematician as well as an engineer, um, did some work at MIT, built hospitals, did incredible things, and we would get together as he was writing this book. He ended up calling the book, It Just Happened to Happen. His working title was, I Was There When It Happened. And it's a book that basically uh, describes the fact that, that many, many things happened over the course of his life that could, could not simply be coincidental, the, that these things happened at the same time or that these things converged or whatever would be beyond what could be mathematically expected in terms of statistics and coincidences. But um, his writing the book was during a period of time that, that he would come and he was kind of a, a typical um, you know, pen in the breast pocket kind of guy, spiral notebook, and every conversation had a subject. And so we would hang out on the Danforth in one of the Greek restaurants, and he would tell me about each of the chapters uh, as he was writing them, and tell me the things that happened. And they were, they were marvelous, like magical moments. And I remember being, I would just sit there with, almost with my mouth open saying, Howard, that really happened? Yep. Like exactly like that? Yep. And how do you understand it? And, and we would go through this lovely conversation time after time. And uh, I've, I've offered this before. I think um, somebody, oh, somebody borrowed it. And you're welcome to borrow it, bring it back next week or the week after if, if you want to read. And my point is this. Having a relationship with the author made all the difference. I mean, I might have picked this book up, and I might have been filled with questions like, really? I wonder if that really happened. I wonder if it really happened that way at that time, along with these other things that happened. And I got to press in on Howard and say, really? Did it happen just like that? And it did. The relationship with the author for me with this book just makes all the difference. What I want to talk about this morning is a habit of reading scripture relationally. So reading scripture relationally instead of perhaps reading it academically 
reading it religiously, uh, reading it spiritually. I want to talk about the reality of reading scripture relationally. And it is not a theoretical approach to reading scripture. It is a realistic approach to reading scripture. Because when we are reading scripture, we are reading it in the company of the author. Do you get that? We are, we are actually reading the scriptures that God wrote by his Holy Spirit about Jesus, about God, about all of the things that are important in life. When I open the pages of scripture and read them, I am reading them in the presence of the person who wrote the book. And that's different. So what I want to talk about this morning is an aspect of Sabbath that we might call delight. And I want to talk about the fact that the delight of Sabbath is very, very well provided as we have our times in Scripture as part of Sabbath. So as you are developing your uh, discipline of Sabbath, your rhythm of Sabbath, hopefully the various things that we're talking about can be built in. But if Scripture is not somewhere in your Sabbath, in a deliberate way, I want to propose to you that you're really missing some of the delight of Sabbath. And it all comes down to understanding and practicing the fact that we can read the scriptures relationally because the author is right there, present to us as we read. Remember what Jesus promised about what the Holy Spirit would do. When he comes, he will lead you into all truth. He will remind you of the things that I have told you. And so that's how we read scripture. So today, I'm going to take you to a lovely passage of the New Testament in Colossians chapter 1 that is actually, um, it's a hymn that apparently was either known in the early church or was introduced by Paul to the early church in this letter to the Colossians. But it's also a beautiful passage for us to look at on Palm Sunday because it is talking about who the person is, who is the king who presented himself, who is the king who will come to establish his kingdom in the future. So it's Colossians chapter 1, and the little passage is from verse 15 to verse 20. Here's what it says. And we're going to go through this today a few times, so don't worry if you miss it as we go through. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything, for it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. 
I can't help but notice that it says all things a whole lot of times in those verses. And as I begin to understand in the company of the person who wrote this and in the company of the one who is actually the subject of this passage, as I am able to slow down and allow the truth of this passage to sort of seep into my heart and my soul, it brings me to a point of absolute delight. So today I want to talk about how to slow down your scripture reading and to read the scriptures relationally so that they might be the delight that they were intended to be. Sometimes we read scripture just because we should. Sometimes we read it and we don't really understand it. Sometimes we read it and we resist it. Um, but I want to talk about the, the value, the great value of reading it in the relationship with its author and see what difference that would make in our lives. So I'm going to talk about and lead us through an exercise this morning called Lectio Divina, which we have done here a few times, and I will explain it to you, and then we're going to come back to this passage in Colossians, and we're going to apply Lectio to that. Now, don't be overwhelmed or intimidated. Uh, you might not have realized by now, if you want to be really religious, say it in Latin. So that's what we're going to do. Lectio Divina is a Latin phrase. It comes from Benedict, from the Benedictine movement from about 500 AD, and it has become kind of a, a common practice again as we with others rediscover some of the ancient disciplines of the church. It's a way to slow down in relationship with the author and read scripture for all it's worth it, to our sheer delight. And I hope this morning that as we come back to Colossians 1, that there'll be something delightful there for you. Maybe it's all things and trying to figure out why is that so prevalent in this passage and how extensive is what the passage says about all things. How can all things be his? How will all things be his? What will that mean? So Lectio has these particular aspects, and we'll just stay with the Latin, and we're going to read through the passage um, with each of these steps in mind. So we'll read it through four times, maybe five, and there are like five stages in Lectio. Um, you don't need to remember the Latin words unless they help you. Um, but the first aspect of Lectio is silence. It's silencio. That sounds better than silent, right? Um, silencio is the posture of coming to Scripture, realizing how holy this literature is, realizing how much authority it has in our world and in our lives. And first of all, just being quiet. We don't deal with quiet very well, do we? I mean, it's, it's awkward. You get together with someone for lunch, and you sort of struggle with, how are we going to get this conversation going? What are we going to talk about? And the first part of this is the awkward part of saying, okay, now I'll be quiet for a while. 
And, and the demeanor of being quiet is the demeanor of prayer that basically is saying, speak, Lord, I'm listening. We also do a lot of talking and sometimes very little listening. I will chide sometimes committees I'm on or boards with the realization that we often begin a board meeting by praying that God will be present with us and that he will speak to us. And we get to the end of the meeting, and it's like God is knocking at the door and saying, well, I was here, I had things to say, but you wouldn't listen. Nobody, you weren't quiet enough, long enough to hear what I said. I had something to say to you. So what we're doing is saying, okay, no. Just like Samuel um, was, was counseled that when this voice spoke to him again, he would say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Every good Lectio session begins with silence, where we simply say in the quietness of our hearts, Lord, I believe you want to speak to me, and I'm listening. Second stage, or the second part of it, is the Lectio part, which is basically listening for the word that is directed to me. So if God is speaking to me, in all likelihood, and in my experience, what God wants to say to us is filled with the vocabulary of Scripture. That's the vocabulary that he has laid down, right? That's, that's our way of talking to him and for him to talk to us. So if I am in the middle of prayer and some Scripture is floating around in my head, it's usually not by accident. That's actually what God wants to say to me. And so this idea of, of Lectio is saying, I'm going to listen, I'm going to ask, I'm going to look for the words that maybe are being directed to me. Now, Colossians 1, verses 15 to 20, where we will settle in a moment, that could occupy us for a week if we wanted to just camp out and study it. It has all kinds of things to say to all of us. But we believe that God does want to speak to his children. What father would not want to? And that somehow for each one of us, even when we randomly go to Colossians 1 verses 15 to 20, that in that passage there is a word that God has for me and that God has for you today. A different word from others. Maybe not even a specific vocabulary word, but an idea or a concept or a theme or a feeling. And God wants us, after our quietness, to say, let me listen for the word that strikes me. Let me listen for the phrase that seems to have lodged in my mind. Let, let me concentrate on the thing that upsets me. Let me think about the thing that seems to contradict what I was thinking about that before. Or, um, What is the word that would bring consolation to me in this? What word brings challenge to me? So on this first read through, we're basically saying, Lord, I'm listening. And we're hearing the word or the phrase or the idea that just seems to settle in our minds and in our hearts. And rather than saying, oh, that, that was just me, to take that seriously and say, no, the author of this book 
is here with me, and he actually is going to tell me something that's insightful. Since he wrote it, and he knows me, there's something insightful that he wants to plant in my heart and in my mind. The next step is meditatio, or reflect, so I'm going to get some R's. I reflect on this by asking the question, how is my life touched by that? By that new idea, by that impression, uh, by that correction, um, by that um, confrontation of the values of of my life. So that's after we've waited in quietness and then we have read through one time slowly to hear what's, what's lodging. We'll read it again and say, how would that impact my life? How is that impacting my life today as I'm reflecting on what God is actually saying to me? And then I'm going to respond by telling God in the quietness of my heart and my prayer how I'm going to respond to that. What is it that has lodged in my mind and heart? What is it that God seems to be saying to me, how, how would my life be adjusted by this word? And there are all kinds of ways. Some negative, some positive, some happy, some sad, some confusing. But somehow or other, my life is touched by this word that seems to come to me from God. And then I want to say to God in prayer, what I will do about this is. What I will do about this is. I will dwell on it. I will reorganize my life around that idea. Um, I will be encouraged. Um, I will be set free from sadness and uh, discouragement in the situation of my life. But I am going to respond to God and say, I hear what you're saying to me. I want to respond. I want to do what is required of me or invited of me. And then I'm simply going to rest. That is the contemplatio, which is the English word contemplate, is to say, okay, whoa, that was a lot of work sometimes. That was hard to hear or hard to accept or that was wonderful to hear and tremendous to accept. But now I want to rest in it. God is good. God is love. God brings nothing to our attention to hurt us. He brings nothing to our hearts um, to trip us up or to trick us. We can count on his being love and understand what he is saying to us, even in this passage, as an expression of his love for us. And so we will declare that we will actually rest in that. And then finally, we will resolve to live this out in our lives. We'll say, okay, because of this Lectio time that I've just spent in the presence of God, I'm going to be different. Here's what I will do tomorrow. Here's how my conversation is going to be changed by what I discovered there. Here's how my optimism or my pessimism is going to be changed because of what I've listened to and heard here. And then I'm going to move out to live the life that brings glory to God and brings delight to me as I have been with the author and heard new things about his work.
So why don't we do that? And we're going to start with the first one, which is simply praying, speak, Lord, and then listening for the word. So why don't we just pray together silently and say, honestly, I'm a little skeptical of this, but I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to listen and see if God actually wants to talk to me about something. So let's, let's wait quietly for just a moment in his presence. Father, would you please quiet the voices in our heads? Um, Sweep out the things that are occupying our minds, uh, anticipating what we're going to do for the rest of the day, anticipating the week that's ahead of us and the challenges that that week will bring. Give us respite for a moment from the things we're worrying about, the things that are making us anxious. Lord, give us a sense that you really are here with us by your spirit, with your word, to talk to us. And we we pray that you will give us um, the determination to say to you, speak, Lord. I will listen to you. I will listen to you uh, in this little beautiful passage that expands on the things we did know or didn't know about who Jesus is and will be. So speak, Lord, we pray. Let me read the passage, and as I do, listen for a word that catches your attention. And just camp on it for a moment. You might want to close your eyes. You might want to turn your chair around, go someplace else. Just don't leave. Here's the passage. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. 
what's the word or the phrase that locks in your mind as you sit with this passage before you? Just let it sit there and wonder about what it means. Does it change something you thought before? Is it something you never understood before? Is it something that's easy to receive or hard to receive? Whatever it is, what's sticking in your mind? The next step is to ask, how is my life being touched by this word? I'll read it again and think about that question. How is this going to make a difference for me? He's the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. For by him and all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. How's my life touched by this? Then what's my response? God has just said this to you. How do you respond? He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And the next step is to rest. How will you rest in this? Um, what strength, what peace, what confidence can be established in, in your being because you've heard something from God, you've, you've come to understand how it applies in your life, and you've told him that. 
now he invites you to rest in it. To say, there's something here that was for you that you need to take to the bank. You need to just rest in the truth that you've heard from him today about. So here it is for the last time. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. May scripture find a place in your Sabbath. May a relational reading of that scripture um, bring life to the word that comes to you. And may you delight, like David the psalmist did, in scripture. Uh, may, may it bring joy. Um, may it bring an exuberant excitement to you. Because this passage alone says that everything is about him. Everything. Everything. And you know him. He's your friend. He's your father. He's the spirit who gently woos you as you move along. So don't miss out on the delight of scripture in the middle of your Sabbath. <laughs>